Yeah, gotta go. Uh, gotta go live uh, on restream when we can. When we when I set the time, so can't can't really lack. Yeah, okay, yeah, no, getting, for sure, man. Getting the rest of our guys in here, Josh and uh, Chris. Hopefully, will be here momentarily. But as you can see on the screen, this is the Running with War WNBA season preview. Uh, thank you guys for joining us. Of course, thank uh, the guys on the screen for joining us. But uh, all of us, all of you out there who uh, watch this video, we definitely uh, appreciate you and uh, listen to the show with regularity. What Listen and watch with regularity. We appreciate you guys. And we're glad to bring this special no uh, sort of special event here tonight. Uh, we did our regular regular show for the week on Tuesday, uh, talking NBA and stuff. But we we're gonna talk just about the WNBA in this show here tonight, and um, you know with good reason. Uh, you know, the league celebrating. It's uh, there you go. Throw up the W, Chris. <laughs> the league celebrating its 25th anniversary this year. Uh, certainly a milestone for the league, and it you know we, we're going to talk about it in a little while. Like arguably its biggest season ever. When you look at all the things that are going on for the league, the storylines, the stars, the exposure. You know, there's a lot that's going on with the league, and uh, you know it's going to be really fun. But especially here in Chicago, we we're going to actually have a chance to uh, indulge in a lot of the fun as well. Uh, you know, it seems like because we there's going to be a competitive team here. There's a, a, a there's a legitimate star, you know, arguably icon the sport and Candace Parker, who's setting up shop here now. Uh, a Chicago in a Chicago land area uh, native, <laughs> and uh, you know, just you know, so much that's going on with with the sky alone. Uh, makes it a great topic of discussion. So we're we're always glad week in week out to talk about the sky on running with war. But uh, this week we're we're gonna do it in depth, and we're doing it with two of the best people to do it. In uh, what happened to Josh Dale? If he will return soon, but uh, two of the best guys to talk about the Chicago sky and the WNBA in general, and that is our regular runner. Uh, Chris Pennant and his road dog from the Skyhook podcast, James K. Welcome back, gentlemen. Hey, thanks for having us back. This is, uh, you know, Chris and I have been doing this one every week now over the last couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, it's just good to be back talking about the Chicago sky. Certainly, certainly. Chris, man, uh, you know, we didn't have you uh, talk. You You weren't with us on Tuesday, but, uh, you know, uh, glad to have you back for this show and glad you uh, got James to join us as well. But, uh, you know, let's just start off, you know, uh, real simple with the, uh, as, as people who follow Scott should probably know by now, they had their media day today. And, you know, uh, all the, the people from throughout the team uh, talked to the media through Zoom and everything, as well as James Wade, the, t uh, the coach and general manager. And uh, you guys got to see a lot of it. Uh, you know, what, what were your thoughts on what happened today and how the team, uh, you know, the, the, the questions that they were fielded and, 
you know, how they responded and everything. You know, what, what, do, you, what do you think about today? With, uh, with, with Diamond was first up, and that was very obviously there was a, there were a lot of things that people wanted to ask her. Um, I'm going to – it wasn't James, James. James, it wasn't you, but um, – oh, and it wasn't Eric Wilson or Brandon Pope either, but there was a dude who asked her uh, about her PS5, how she let go of her PS5. That was me. I, <laughs> was you? Yeah. That was you, my bad. I, oh, I, okay, I won't spoil that because that was fantastic. I didn't even know she gamed like that. Um, yeah. But she there just was a gave lot it out for free. I oh man, I saw that's right. You did post that, and I should have <laughs> gone in because I I want to get I want to get the Last of Us and the Last of Us Part Two. Yeah. <laughs> but Highly recommend both of those. It, there was palpable excitement, and I think the um, there were a lot of people on from a lot of different places. Ruthie Hebbard had a, a reporter co uh, coming in from Fairbanks, Alaska. Um, they had, uh, was it Cosmos uh, Sarti? We had a, a man in from Italy. He was on. And it, there was just so, and as well as the stalwarts, you know, James, myself, Cheryl raced out from BBZ, Annie uh, Costabile from the Sun-Times, uh, Eric Wilson, who was on a lot of the um, post games and pre-games last year out of Florida. And, and Brandon Pope, our guy Brandon Pope from WCIU. So there's, it's just a lot of tangible, palpable excitement. And I couldn't get up with everybody, but I know that um, on, the, on the player side, they understand it. And they're trying to, you can tell they're trying to minimize the hype, uh, minimize the, um, those expectations. Because I think it's, it's within the team too. They, they see everything, they've heard everything. They know what Candace Parker brings. They understand that there's a lot of national TV games than there were in the past with the teams that they've had the past two years. So um, a lot of what I think the answers were centered around was just really like, you know, the season hasn't started yet. Courtney Vandersloot specifically said, it's like, I don't, everybody's talking about championship, 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 championship. We do everything right. The championship will take care of itself. And that was, yeah. that was an incredible statement. Chris, uh, right quick. Cause uh, you know, what, uh, uh, the sky do start the season as uh, you know, we're going to talk about, you know, certain power rankings and uh, the, the, uh, you know, the certain surveys and everything across the league of people who think, uh, think about the favorites and stuff in the league and the sky are being considered one of the favorites in the league. They're also being sort of put up front as a team, a showcase team possibly. When you look at the fact that, the season is going to start off this Saturday on ABC and they're going to be in the initial game that's broadcast against uh, Washington. Uh, you know, I, I was just, you know, from your point of view uh, in observing, what do you think, do you think that the team is handling uh, or dealing with the hype strictly amongst them uh, as it comes for them, themselves as a team and their, uh, you know, their championship possibly uh, aspirations or are they also juggling hype in regards to the league as a whole and the league being like, you know, more exposed this year and more, you know, like I say, just more exposure, more everything this year with your WNBA. It's both. Honestly, it's both. Uh, it's going to cause, I think it's going to cause some, some dis dissonance with the players, with the fans, with the media, as the, as the exposure grows, as more people get involved, as more sponsorships come in, 
you're going to get more um, rigidity, I think. And, and you're also going to have a, a certain level of scrutiny uh, of players and of teams that they might not necessarily be used to, have been used to. But they're, man they're definitely managing um, hype nationally. They're managing uh, notoriety nationally. Because, I mean, it's Candace Parker. We've talked about it previously. Um, and we all know. We're all Chicago people. We know what kind of player she is and what she meant to uh, the city and the basketball when she was here. So bringing Candace Parker into your team not only has the added uh, exposure factor of her being from Naperville and being a Chicago person. You saw she tweeted about the Bears getting Justin Fields, so she's still rocking with the with the monsters of the Midway. But she up, is a three three zero, Jeff. <laughs> she's a superstar, man. She she's she's a superstar in this league, and you get somebody like that who. The way we talk about basketball and the MNBA, right? Premier position, small forward. She is a small forward, power forward center. She can play all three of those positions. She handles like a guard. And she passes out of the post almost as well as Jokic does. So that is going to take pressure off Courtney Vandersloot and even um, Kalia Copper to create. They can play off the ball when they need to. They can put Courtney Vandersloot on the ball and put – uh, Candace to work back to basket in the post. They have so many weapons now, but they got to put it together. So the hype is definitely coming from outside as well as just the local the local media. You, there's more people. There's more local media than there's been in a long time. When I started out in 2014, 15, and I was out at Wintrust, the most consistent people there were me and Patricia Babcock McGraw at the Daily Herald. Mm. And then when the playoffs came around, Jim Jim Rose was there from ABC and a few more people came out. But there was like two people there consistently. Now you got 20 voices on the media calls and you got to cut it short for time. That's, yeah, that's something, man. Uh, James, you know, that, I know there's a uh, documentary that's come out, coming out tonight, I guess uh, in a few minutes, actually on ESPN, uh, called 144, that's taken mm -hmm. uh Every, taking everyone into the the wobble from last summer, and, um, and I think a lot of the big, you know, from the way that that film is being uh, well, being advertised and everything, is doing a lot to show people the shared uh, experience of the women as you know women and athletes who happen to be women, and you know it takes them it takes it's going to take people into their. Uh, conversations and everything about the sacrifices that they make as women and as black women in the, in the large majority and the certain things that they have to deal with in regards to social meet, social justice and everything in response to, uh, you know, some, uh, you know, so much that happened in the world outside of that wobble last summer. Uh, you know, what, what are your, what are your take on, how the league is carrying that its role as a social justice, uh, you know, uh, as, as a main social justice platform in professional sports in America. And what do you think that's going to mean for the league, you know, as it, uh, you know, as it unfolds this new year? You know, I think the more we, I'm trying to think the way I want to phrase this. I think that, people are starting to realize that the it, you can't really 
untangle sports and the sociological impact it has on our society. And we've seen that more and more each year, I feel like. And we especially saw it last summer when we saw the WNBA lead the charge with, um, I mean, if you look at Raphael Warnock last, last year, how they, the WNBA rallied behind him and you saw how much money they were able to raise for his campaign. And, you know, we saw how he, how that ended up going with taking down Kelly Loeffler, um, who just has said some despicable things, um, you know, over the, uh, during the wobble, you know, I mean, I think that it's really interesting to see how, I mean, actually you got to look back even farther than just this past season. I mean, they were the, they led the charge of Trayvon Martin, you know, the media started to pay attention to what uh, the heat were doing when they, st- I forget exactly what the exact T-shirts they wore that got a, b- a bunch of publicity, but the WNBA was the one that actually started out talking about the um, that horrible incident with Trayvon Martin. And um, so, I mean, again, it's also it's a, it's such a pleasure to be able to cover this league because they do care so much about this. Um, they have they're just so outspoken, use their platforms um, to do right by the people who need help and need to have their voices elevated. I mean, Maya Moore, I mean, talk about someone like a four-time champion who could continue to go and try to win championships for the Lynx. She stepped aside to folk, to try to free someone who was, um, I mean, she, she stepped up for actually now it's her husband now, but um, she stepped up for someone who was imprisoned, uh, wrongfully imprisoned and, you see the same thing with Natasha Cloud on the Mystics, who also stepped away for a year to focus on fighting um, social injustice. I mean, it's just a consistent theme you see across the W, and it's something that I think a lot of professional sport leagues um, have picked up on since uh, the W has been so successful with it. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's, you know, one of the more admirable things about the league. You know, uh, it, it really – you really got to give it to the W and the and his players for the the role that they play in advancing certain discussions and advancing certain activities and actions. Uh, and they've really made you know starting with the NBA, uh, their their brothers in the NBA step up in certain ways to you know to utilize their platform, you know to share their shared platforms and their own platform. It's it's interesting. You know, uh, looking at a clip from that 144 documentary uh, last night on ESPN, they had a uh, they had they they had a particular clip of uh, regard where the they had the ladies discussing uh, things right after the shooting in Milwaukee, and um, you know they how they were going to act going forward. And uh, Sue Bird was speaking to a collection of the players, and she said she she uh, said. Made a statement in particular about how they had to different, you know, separate themselves in a way from the NBA, and they can't. They have to recognize that they can't move. They can't follow the the NBA's moves, and they can't, you know, move in conjunction with them all the time. They have to make their own moves, make their own stances, and everything. And uh, you know, I really admired that statement that she gave it because it's like it shows the leadership is there for that lead and it shows that it shows just how, uh, you know, 
strong and how how uh, you know they how they they have their own authorship as players and and as uh, people. You know they they really uh, you know they they're not beholden to anybody and what they're saying. And um, yeah, this I'm really I'm really excited to see where they uh, continue to go along those lines. What do you what do you guys think in regards to the sky themselves and that and that as a team, you know, who do you who do you see as the leaders in that regard in regards to uh, you know being representatives in the community as well as being gr- you know, great athletes and stuff on the court? Well, after Gabby Williams left in I mean, I, I think we'll probably get into it later. Um, I think Diamond DeShields is probably the one leading the charge now. She's someone that has throughout the offseason as she's gone through rehab to get back to 100%. Um, one of the things that we know now is that she is 100% healthy and is unrestricted, which I think all of Skytown is thrilled about. But to go back to the social justice element of this, um, sorry, I had to get out of face FaceTime there. Um, you know, she's someone that spent the offseason going around talking about these issues and continuing to push forward when um, – when I don't know, I, I don't know if like how I want to phrase this necessarily, but like when um, the climate for social justice cooled off a little bit, she was still pushing the needle. And I think we learn most about athletes and what they care about and what they want to use their platform for when, again, the climate cools off a little bit. And she's someone that does lead the charge, but that entire organization is inc- like is very dedicated to social justice. We haven't really heard much about it, Chris. I don't know if it came up in media day after I had to leave, but they did have uh, last season, they led the charge with Sky Takes Action, which raised a ton of money for individual charities and parts of the community that needed it in Chicago. So, um, but yeah, I mean, I would say Diamond to Shields, just to put it in a nutshell. How about you, Chris? Yeah, it's tough. I was thinking the same thing because with, with Gabby leaving, she was really at the forefront on that. Uh, you could tell that she was talking it up in in um, post game uh, post game interviews. I think she had that shirt that said "Women don't owe you shit." Yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Kyrie Irving was uh, wearing that the other day, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> she, I mean, she's just one. She's she's passionate. Two, she's she's on she's on the fashion tip, like like Stephanie Dolson is too. And it, but it, it is hard to, I think, it's hard to think of anybody, not necessarily because they, they're not invested in it, but other than Diamond being like really okay, the being out there, maybe uh, dividing focus, so to speak. Um, I don't know, it's, it's tough to say because she's not always, she doesn't always feel like she has to be forthcoming, so she's, so she's not, you know, I think today was the most I've heard Diamond speak and get really like loose even in the interviews just talking about what she feels that she can do for the season and there was a good question i think that brandon pope uh, might have asked about how how covid shifted her perspective and she was talking about how she had to focus more on she focused more on mental health and what was good for her and i think part of getting rid of the PS5 was part of that. So I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if, if, if Diamond is more outspoken on those things. But honestly, I think you could see it from Diamond. 
And even though uh, Steph yeah. uh, is conscious about what her role is as, as, a, as a white player, I think she is one of the people who wouldn't be averse to stepping, standing up and saying, you know, these things because she is that she's just that gregarious kind of person and she understands what's right and what's wrong. So as, as a vet, as a veteran on the team, I wouldn't be surprised to see that from Steph either. Yeah. I, I like Steph. I, I like following her on social media. And she she does seem like a person who is on the right side of issues and even like expanding out to like uh you know body consciousness and stuff like that. She's uh you know she's she she represents herself and and uh you know athletes well, you know, in a lot of different ways. So I'm I admire that, you know, beyond her play, you know, it give it gives you something really to rally with, with, with these players as individuals, even, you know, whether you have your team connection or not. And, and I'm going to bring up Gabby, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, since, since you guys brought her up, uh, I think that was definitely the case with her too. Like you could see, you know, she, she was definitely vocal and there's a, there's a lot of quite a few interviews and stuff that are available on different platforms and, you know, YouTube and stuff where she speaks her mind on things. And she was really drawing, a, like, like you say, drawing a certain amount of attention and re- representing the team and herself. And well, 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 you know, it's, it's unfortunate that uh, so much broke down with them, with, with her and the team. And, it, you know, she eventually g- gets shipped out to LA and there's been there's been like a couple comments in the wake of the deal where she sort of was like, you know, she is a West Coast uh, girl, I guess from Nevada, I guess originally, uh-huh. and uh, so I guess maybe she in, in a lot of ways wanted to get back out that way, but you know, it seemed like she was sort of, you know, uh, a uh, you know, sort of in some ways manufacturing this. I don't know if you you guys can tell me I'm wrong if 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 I am, but. You know, what, what, what do you guys, you know, let's just start off in the wake of this deal. What do you guys think about what happened and how it happened? And, you know, what do you think any, what impact, if any, do you think is going gonna, is gonna to have, at least in the near future for the Sky? I really don't think this is going to have that much of an impact on the Sky season. It's not, I mean, not even today. Everyone seemed like they were in such a great mood and just really focused on the season. But, with the Gabby Williams situation, it, it's just so complicated. Um, I think it's honestly just a classic situation where two parties didn't communicate well with each other. And Gabby had um, goals that weren't necessarily going to line up with what James Wade wanted to do in Chicago when training camp opened. And it became that simple. Look, the Sky only have four players signed through 2022 now after trading for Stephanie Watts in the Gabby Williams deal. And, you know, Candace Parker is 35. Allie Quigley turns 35 this year. Um, Courtney Vandersloot's 32 years old, and she played over 30 minutes a game last season. I mean, you got to think about the how you're going to preserve these players and how you're going to maximize their, you know, all-world talent over the next couple of years. So the time to win is now. And with Gabby on a expiring deal, even though it was restricted, um, this, this guy have some cap issues to deal, like had some cap issues to deal with. And um, it's unfortunate. James Wade said that he didn't want to trade Gabby Williams, but, um, and I think they do value her and they did value her when she was on the team. But 
at the end of the day, Gabby needed to be in training camp. Um, at least that's in the mind of James Wade. He felt that way in order to get the most out of his team this year. And, you know, I think that um, but they, they, she was only given like two weeks before the draft um, to hear about Gabby's perspective on this. So um, I think a lot of people, he drew a lot of criticism for uh, kind of pushing this or like, or not really talking about the situation until it was finalized. And Chris and I talked about this, just how we felt. I mean, at least I felt it was a little bit unfair how that all went down and how people publicly criticized James Wade when it was just kind of a situation that I felt um, they suspended her contract, which means that she can't play for this season. Um, she can't play this year and she loses the $70,000 that were attached to her contract, um, a part of her contract. So people were upset about that, but I also feel that if the other 11 GMs in this league were in a similar situation, they do it 10 times out of 10. So um, it's a complicated situation. It's tough to lose a fan favorite, but you kind of have to deal with the reality of Gabby wasn't going to be getting a ton of minutes for this team anyway. With Shyla Heal coming into town, she's the Sky's uh, first round pick from this year, and she was going to occupy the minutes that Gabby was playing at uh, playing the backup point guard position. So um, it's, it was just going to be hard for Gabby to carve out a role with this team, even if she was like, even if she did want to be on the team this year, but um, yeah, I mean, Chris, you, I, I feel like we kind of felt the same way about when we talked about with miles the other day. Yeah. I was just going to say um, what, what you and Mo, uh, miles both said about, I, cause I've, I, we've talked about how I'm, I'm always a little, I'm wondering how, how James Wade's drafting and player management and personnel management is going to look um, with the benefit of hindsight. And so far, it's been so far so good. He still has to get outside of that window where the main players on the team were drafted prior to him coming here or were acquired prior to him coming to Chicago. But you, you both put it in perspective very well for me, especially as more of the story came out. And Gabby's, like, I love Gabby, but she, I don't think she ever really wanted to be the backup point guard or yeah. hold that role as much or as long as she did. And it was just something that she was able to do and had the skill set to do and, the, and just the, the size to do. But it wasn't something that she was ever comfortable with. And so, like, like I said, in L.A., she won't really have to run the second unit, I don't, I don't believe. And, Kyle, you're exactly right. She'd be a lot closer to home in Reno. So... It's something that I think in the, in the long run will work out for both parties. It just sucks for, I think, the team. She she posted on Instagram how she's going to miss the team yeah. uh, a lot. And the fans love Gabby. Fans absolutely love Gabby. Mm. Uh, so the the group, the core group, personally, I think both sides are going to miss what they built. But it's business, you know. Like like Avon Barksdale says, it's not it's just business. <laughs> right. Yeah, stop. You can't play them away games either. You know, that's, those are definitely <laughs> the quotes that you get uh, the most significant quotes from Avon Barksdale. Don't play them away games. But, yeah, and, yeah, like I said, I'm going to miss Gabby, too. I think she's a very talented player. She, you know, she has that UConn pedigree, and, you know, she's has, she has some games really – like, like really last year – I know she was with the team for a couple of years, but last year was really when I started to notice her 
you know, starting from that uh, that opening game where she's yeah. you know sort yeah. of lit up the school, you know, lit up the stat sheet, and she just you know really multifaceted, could do a lot, you know, uh, with the ball, and you know, it, it'd been nice to see her continue with the team. But like you say, uh, it was it was going to be hard for her to get minutes, and you know, there's a lot of talent on this team. We're gonna go more over the the roster in a minute, and uh, you know. Again, it's, it's good for her. It's sort of like a delay. It's sort of like an addendum to the 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 trade, uh, or I guess you know, uh, you know, you know how sometimes you know you get a player from a team and then you make a deal with the team, and you know, with us getting uh, Candace, you know, it's sort of like an addendum to that, you know. So, yeah, it, it, it was good for her, you know, being on another a high profile team, and uh, she'll have a chance to compete there, but. Uh, yeah, let's let's go back into the 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 team, the players who are still here, of course. And mm-hmm. you know, we mentioned the, the rookie Shyla, and there was a there was some stuff that come out with her today. You know, can you can you guys explain that story about how you know at, at one point she seemed to have been off off uh, or, or not eligible or something, and then that changed. You know, what what was that about? Yeah, Shyla Heal has been dealing with problems with her visa over the last couple of weeks, and um, the Sky haven't gone into too much detail about it. I mean, they didn't really need to. Um, she just was having a hard time getting over here. I know that she's been anxious to get here. I mean, she's been posting about um, videos of her shooting, um, doing catch-and-shoot threes, and I think, I mean, yeah, I mean, the Sky need her. I mean, she... A rookie coming into this league, it's already tough going right from college. I mean, not in her case, but it's hard. Like, but for the most time, from uh, the most part, a rookie coming in from college, and then like a week later, they're playing in the WNBA training camp. Shyla Heal does not get a WNBA training camp in a rookie year, and I think that's something to be monitoring as we approach the start of the season in a couple of days. That is something that I'm a little bit worried about because um, the thing is. It's not like they have a Gabby Williams who's been running the offense for the second unit over the last two years. They are relying on the 10th overall pick, uh, Stephanie Watts now, to run that second unit. And she also just arrived because of the Gabby Williams trade that happened just less than a week ago now. So she also didn't have a training camp. And now this team is is going to be opening up the season having uh, relying on two rookie guards that haven't been in the system yet. So it, it's a really interesting case. I, I'm In terms of Shiloh, though, I'm a little bit higher on her than I think a lot of other people are. Um, she's, in case you guys didn't know, she's someone that's been playing professional basketball since she was 14 years old in Australia. She's, she's been the equivalent. Cause it is interesting because um, just last – in the NBA, just recently we just had a couple players who came from – the uh the Australian Pro League, RJ Hampton and uh, uh Lamelo Ball, they played over there last year, and she played in the WNBA equivalent of that of of that over there. So uh, Shyla Neal had so so she's she yeah she's played pro ball for a while, but, but what at what age specifically did she start? Fourteen, and she's yeah. nineteen now, right? Yeah. So five so, yeah. years in the pros. Yeah, that's yeah. something. And, she's and her dad, her dad yeah. got into it with, with Charles Barkley back in 92. 
but it's it's funny. It's yeah. amazing. Yeah, I mean, she's someone that's also played against WNBA players. I mean, Liz Cambage is one of the people that she's gone up against in the last year. Um, Leilani Mitchell, uh, they both play on the same team. So honestly, I think a lot of people were criticizing the pick at the time because Dana Evans and Arella uh, Garantes were both available at the time. And people were like, okay, this guy finally, I mean, they have their point guard and then they end up drafting 19-year-old 5'6 point guard Shyla Heal. Um, people were kind of hating on the pick, but if you just consider again, like the sky needs a rookie to come in right away. They were throughout the draft process. They were telling the each prospect, look, if you, if we draft you, you're going to be the backup point guard. We need you for 10 minutes a game to come in for Courtney Vandersloot and just make sure the ship doesn't completely sink like it did last year. One of the most glaring weaknesses on this team was that uh, backup point guard position where when Courtney Vandersloot was on the floor, the team's offensive rating was 9.3, but when she was taken off of the court, it plummeted to 18.7 or negative 18.7. So, yeah, no, it's a difference of over 27 there. And, um, you know, that's a problematic for a team that wants to contend right now and needs to contend right now. Um, So, yeah, they're depending on Shyla Heal to come over. Um, again, she's so she's actually flying to Chicago tonight, and hopefully she'll be ready. They actually temporarily temporarily suspended her contract. Um, so yeah, she'll be ba- she'll be here soon. But I do think the Sky were anticipating her being in Chicago earlier than um, just tonight. <laughs> so she will. I guess she'll be available for Saturday's game but she it won't be she won't likely play I guess given the situation I cannot imagine her playing uh again I do think that Stephanie Watts who was drafted two picks after her then then ended up in Chicago I do think that she's probably the most I'm she's probably going to play the most and maybe I I hope they don't do this but they could also push Courtney Vandersloot a little bit more and maybe use Candace Parker more as a secondary facilitator in that offense in the opener um, instead of just throwing Stephanie Watts into the fire because that uh, she didn't play that much against the fever in that second preseason game. So that's a big question mark for sure. Let's break, we'll break down the, the roster some more in a, in a bit, but Josh, uh, glad you were able to, to come back in, man. Uh, just want to get your thoughts right quick on, uh, <laughs> no, you were, you, you were in with the sessions too, uh, with the media sessions today for uh, media day, you know, uh, you want to give your thoughts on how everything went from your point of view? Yeah, I think everything went as what you would want a contender to expect, right? Pretty much the talk of championships um, and more, more specifically the talk of gaining the chemistry and building the chemistry with this new roster to prepare for a title run and improving on an everyday basis. That's the common theme that you, that you heard, throughout every last one of those WNBA players on that team. As, as well as the facts, and, you know, you got the, the fun the fun people like uh, Stephanie Dawson with her makeup and her and her and her <laughs> hair all dolled out. You talked about, uh, you know, that Diamond and Shields talking about how much anticipated for this J. Cole album that drops at midnight in a few hours. <laughs> so, you know, you saw the fun side of the Chicago sky too, right? They definitely had – uh, they're fun moments, but it was all serious talk. And it's all talk about what it means that we have to put in this work to win the championship. And Chris mentioned it earlier, 
how it um, came from Courtney Vandersloot, their leader, who said, yeah, I'm all about to talk about the championship, but I want to get better every day. That's the biggest thing that's going to lead to the championship, because if we do our part, the championship will come. Um, and, and that was a profound statement coming from their vocal leader who emphasized numerously in press conferences how that's the, that's the name of the game every day. How can we get better? How can we improve? And that's something that the Chicago Sky need, especially now that they brought in Candace Parker to take things to that next level. Um, I think that's going to be very huge for this team moving forward. And the hype is real, but they understand the seriousness behind the hype and what it really means at the end of the day. And they, and they understand what they have to do when the, when the spotlight is on them, especially now that they're going to be on a national spotlight all over the place, not just from uh, the, the local channels per se, but you talk about the ESPNs, the ABC networks, they're going to be on a lot more national games. So they're, they're prepared. I think they're prepared for the task, but they, they do understand that, you know, this series, this season is a really big season for them. Definitely. definitely. It's good to see though, in, in, in the face of all that, that they still have a certain looseness about them and that they seem to, be enjoying what the the process of what's going on and having having some fun too, you know, and uh, you know maybe they'll, maybe they'll be lighting up the the backboards and the rims like J Cole and you know starting with uh, the Washington <laughs> game and everything. <laughs> but uh, but Chris, let, let's get back into you know breaking down this Sky team, man, and you know it's obvious that people perceive them as a threat in the league and everything. They have the talent. They have a deep roster. You know, from, from your point of view as a guy who's watched this team year in and year out, you've seen them as a lesser team. You know, what what are your thoughts about how this team has evolved and, you know, what you know what they have now? What is, you know, do you see them truly as a contender, as a championship contender in the league? This year, and 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 why why would they be? What would, what would be the main reasons for that? They've got so many weapons on the roster. They've got Diamond DeShields, who's fully healthy. Kalia Copper, who's been just she broke out last year. Uh, both of those two players I just mentioned are two of the best fast break players in the league, and the Sky love to play fast. They have players like Stephanie Dolson who can find the the first pass on the hit ahead. Um, their their offense is geared around um, transition, like really making the most out of transition opportunities. And so in the past, they had been weaker in the half court. But now you have Candace Parker, who can operate out of the low post, mid post, high post. And you don't put everything on st- on Courtney Vandersloot, kind of. Um, remember those the, how the, the Bulls used to run that first pass? for Rose to get him going through screens and then set up on like the, the weak side or the, or the, at the elbow, they, the sky did that with Courtney Vandersloot a lot. And so one, they can rest her more Two, that. She doesn't have to be the primary um, creator and playmaker. And it's going to be contagious as much as, as much as players were getting assists with the sky before, just based on how Sloot kind of made everybody's per- perception that much more open it's, I think it's going to be even, even greater with Candace Parker there. And you heard so many people talking on, on the call today about how they're going to her and they're trying to learn from the veterans. So you have those, th- those four. Allie Quigley still a, a, a dot shooter. Um, Ruthie Hebbard was really nice last year. I want to see how she adjusts. It's her sophomore season, and there's going to be more players uh, playing this year that, that opted out or were hurt last year. 
but she's great in the pick and roll. She was working on her outside shot in Turkey. And then it's just you, the, the, the coaching staff almost always gets as much out of them as possible. And they yeah. preach defense this season. They said that they are really preaching defense because you saw this guy get out a bunch of leads a lot last year. And then every game would be close. They would be up 10 with five minutes to go. Yeah. And it would end up being a two point game. So if I was, I'm still, I still want to wait and see how they, how they get through the first week. DC is always tough. Elena and Tina Charles should be back, even though they'll be missing, missing Alicia, Alicia Clark. And Myesha Hines-Allen was really, really good last season. So the Mystics are always a tough team, and the Sky have been really snake-bitten in D.C. But if you see them win games going away, if you see them holding leads, holding that eight-point advantage as the game dwindles down from five to four to three to two to one minute left, that's when you know that they, are, they have um, really embraced that championship contention. They have the pieces for it. So they're definitely championship contender, but they got to prove it. Yeah, and the thing about last year, man, like you say, they had those games that they 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 had good starts and you know bad endings, and the, the season as a whole was sort of like that because they had that nice start, and that second half was it was torture, man. It was like the way that they gave up some of those games and the way that they fell back in the standings, like. There was a time where it was like, man, they they might could pull something off here in this in this bubble, but by the end of the season, they just were. They, you know, there was a lot of injuries and stuff that were involved too, and some players had to get out of the bubble and everything. But you know, it, it was it was tough to see the way that they ended that last year. But uh, yeah. you know, I guess it was just more growing pains for a team that was learning to win. So and and you, you got to figure that. You know, them being able to be at home and have more of a regular regimented schedule uh, at, you know, at, at, in this year, you know, like I say, back to normalcy, you know, in, in a lot of ways. And, you know, maybe that'll do them well, you know. But, James, it's interesting, man. You brought up the point, and I think it's sort of a, a if not an elephant in the room, maybe a rhino or something, you know, <laughs> uh, like – the 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 sky are sort of led at the core, you know, is at its core. They're sort of led by some older players, and you you mentioned the the element of uh, of urgency that may be involved with this team this year, winning now because you like say your 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 most your high your highest profile player now is a, like a thirteen year vet. Candace is, you know, she's in her mid thirties. You got a couple a couple of the players you've relied on for years now in their mid thirties. So it's like, you know, it, it, you know expound on that a little bit, man. You know, what do you, well, I guess in, you know, looking and t talking to the team a little bit and maybe observing them, you know, do you think that that's going to be something that they're going to be able to handle, uh, you know, well at, at going forward this season? To be honest with you, I just think across the board, they just have to manage health more than, I mean, it's funny, some of the healthiest players on the team have been the oldest ones. Like Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley consistently are on the floor. The people that I work, yeah. I mean, the people that I worry about the most are players like Azure Stevens, who, you know, James Wade said that he wants to manage her a little bit more this season. And, you know, the Sky did start off 5-2 and two last year. They were scoring the most points in the WNBA through that seven-game period. But then the wheels came off because Azrae Stevens was dealing with a cartilage issue. 
Um, Diamond to Shields from the onset was coming off the bench and was dealing with lower body issues as well. So, when I, you know, the age on the roster has, has less to do with like my concerns about the age and more to do with about their championship hopes than it is about them and, and their health concerns. I mean, these players are trained to play basketball 11 and a half months out of the year. Um, but I want to go back to a point too, that you just mentioned about their developing habits about like with winning. One of the most frustrating things about the NBA to me is that there are certain teams and franchises and ownership, not ownership, like front offices that think you can just, that winning is just an on and off switch that you can just flip and that you can develop healthy habits competing um, and that everything, if you get the, the three superstars, like the megastars, that you'll just be able to start winning right away. And it's, one of the things that I like about the sky and their situation right now is the culture that they've built and that James Wade took a team that was pretty much built pretty much the same way, maybe just outside of like John Tell Lavender in 2019 coming from the 2018 season. They had virtually the same roster, but that they were building these habits of like pushing teams that they shouldn't have been, you know, uh, push to the brink, and then you see them go on the playoff run where Diamond to Shields turns into the superstar that we think that she's going to become. And even last year, like again, you see them pushing teams like the Seattle Storm, who looked unstoppable for most of last year. Um, right? They built a lot of healthy habits, and now they're bringing in Candace Parker, who is larger than life. I mean, she's a, a celebrity, you know, and she has a presence about her where when you go into battle, you can trust that person and she brings a calming presence. So I think when you add all that up, it's looking pretty good for the sky and it's all, it's just going to be about health and keeping Azure Stevens healthy, making sure that maybe diamond to shields isn't necessarily overextended. And just, I hate to say this because it's so used over and over again, but trusting the process and making sure that you're not you're instead of peaking at game seven, that you're peaking at game thirty-two as you head into the playoffs. Definitely, definitely. Okay, it. You know, let's we, we're gonna get into uh, you know where the sky sort of fit and uh, it within the league as a whole in a minute. But uh, any anything else in regards to the roster that you think may be a pleasant surprise or any the player who may make a leap forward this year who we should uh take a look at who you know and you know, in, in in the place of anyone who's who's maybe uh, has contributed before maybe someone else will step up this year or something like that or you know could we see Vandersloot make another run at MVP or something like that this year what do you, what do you think those type of things will emerge from uh from the team this year I have my thoughts, but do you guys want to take that one? Because I, I just went on that long rant before this. <laughs> I'll, I'll get mine out real quick. Uh, we talked about it last week, and I might have brought it up last week on, on the running show. With Candace coming in, I think Courtney's going to have less fewer assists because she won't need to have 9 or 10 or 12 assists a night. That can be spread around. I think the beneficiary of that is going to be Diamond because the Sky are not going to—they're not going to stop being that breakaway team, and a healthy Diamond to Shields bearing down on you, ooh, boy, you don't want to see that. You don't want to see that. People, don't jump over somebody. She will jump over somebody, and sometime at some point in time, Diamond might dunk on somebody. 
And the roof is going to come off the wind, trust arena, dude. They're going to have to get a new roof for this spot. Just you don't tell me, Chris. Sell that money. Oh, that's true. But that was the internet, though. That doesn't. That's fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> How did she this... dunk on you? <laughs> you gotta, now you got to go into it. Oh man. Well, <laughs> it was. It was actually. It was. It was so harmless. It was honestly. She was such a. Uh, it was. It was a pretty funny thing. So, someone tweeted out after Candace Parker was. Um, after it was reported that she was going to be coming to the sky, someone tweeted out the roster of actually no, I tweeted out the roster of like what the sky was going to look up. Like I listed off like the sky have Courtney Vandersloot, Ali Quigley, Diamond to Shields, Candace Parker, Stephanie Dolson, Kalia Copper, Azrae Stevens. You go down the line, and I said something like, "Now that folks is lethal." And someone commented underneath like, "That's a Euro League team right there." And I said, "Yeah, like I know this could change." <laughs> heading into the season but if diamond to shields is your fourth best player um you know oh. that's the, that's a luxury that not many teams have and it was more i was really just complimenting the depth and honestly didn't give too much of a thought about uh doing a power rankings of the sky's players on its roster well i think diamond must have uh been you know, she probably was like searching her name on Twitter and um, she saw that I had tweeted that. And I, she read, she quote tweeted just being like, shut the hell up, <laughs> pretty much, you know. <laughs> and uh, and seriously, like, she was like, um, you know, I, I, I reply, like, I quote tweeted that just being like, I should have phrased this differently. All I meant was that this team has a lot of depth. And she actually like shouted out me and Chris for uh, for the podcast that we do, and um, you know with these players, you never know like who's actually listening. Um, Chris, I think I mentioned this to you before, but I noticed that we were, you know, in the first couple of years we were doing the podcast, there were, we had no listens from Florida, not a single one. I went back and oh, checked this, that. and when the WNBA announced that they were going to Bradenton to have the uh to have the season in the the bubble <laughs> after they arrived there our numbers for florida just dramatically went up and i thought it was pretty comical again i, I who knows if they actually are listening to the podcast or not but um you know for diamond to kind of shout us out and saying that she appreciates the work that we do i mean that meant everything and uh she didn't have to do that she could have just let me be a fool on the internet for kind of uh mindlessly tweeting something that I don't necessarily think it was a bad take by any means, but it just wasn't something I thought uh, – I kind of viewed it – just viewed it as, like, I'm complimenting the sky's depth more than I'm, like, slandering Diamond to Shield. But I will say this coming off of that, I think that there is – we're about to see a really special season from Diamond. I mean, she had five steals against the Indiana Fever in the second preseason game, and it all happened within the first half. So – you know she's going to be a hawk on the defensive end. If you, t I think she's a dark horse player for winning uh, defensive player of the year. Um, and I, we haven't really heard a ton of buzz about her, um, but I think she's going to remind us the player who she was in 2019. I'm doing a writing an article for Winsider right now, and I was looking it up on across the timelines database. And there's only been 10 players in WNBA history who have averaged 24 points, five rebounds, and two assists in a uh in the entirety of a playoff series and she's one of them she did it that being her second or third year in the league i mean uh, second year in the league i 
I just think we're about to see something special and that last year is more of an anomaly than it is um, more of like than it is like an indicator of what Diamond to Shield is going to do in her WNBA career. Yeah. I, I, I guess you, you deserve that, James. It, it, and <laughs> I, can't, I can't wait to see, you know, she, she probably get that all-star, get, get defensive player of the year, maybe even, you know, MVP one day. She's she going to be like, See James, I told you. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, I'd be the happiest per- person in the world if she ends up doing that because, you know, one of the th- and I mean, you guys were on the call. One of the things that stood out to me that I had no idea about when uh, when she brought it up was that any constable of the Chicago Sun Times, please follow her if you are listening to this right now. She's doing some incredible work. Um, you know, one of the things that she asked Diamond was, do you have any games circled on the calendar? Mm-hmm. And Diamond responded with um, I, like something along the lines of, like, last year in the bubble, um, some people were kicking me while I'm, I was down. So um, I definitely took note of that and stay tuned. Mm. Ooh, I don't want to be on the other end of that. <laughs> Not, yeah, man. No, thank you. Um, so I, th- I think we're about to see something special from Diamond to Shields this season. And if I think she can be an MVP someday. It's definitely not out of the realm of possibility. There, there, was, a, there was a moment two years ago when the Sky played the Mystics at home. And that was the first time that they, they beat them since the Elena Della Don trade. And that was eight. Uh, that was, I think, their ninth game against Washington. Yeah. And at the end of the first half, Josh, I remember you were there for this. I think I know I asked her about it in the po- in the presser after the game. She had there was I cannot remember who who on on DC had the ball, but Diamond stepped out to uh, beyond the hash mark between the hash mark and half court to 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 guard her, and it you could just see it the way you see switches flip on players. It just she was going to she was either going to get a steal, or this was going to be a lockdown moment because there were only a few seconds left in half. It was like they were not going to get into their offense, and I believe she actually it might have been it might have been um in a different part of the game because I think she forced a twenty four she forced a twenty four second violation. There were a few seconds left on the shot clock. The ball had gotten batted out, and she just put octopus lockdown on on, on whomever it was. <laughs> And I asked her about that after the game. She's like, I mean, you know, I saw that. It was like, I'm like a shark. I smell blood in the water. Mm-hmm. And that's why I went for it. So it's funny. We have this player who can score so well. And I, be- I believe that her calling card in her head is her defense, is her yeah. ability to defend. And so, like I said, she's healthy this year. And, and Kyle, you, hit, you, you, know, you said it kind of like jokingly, but it's on the money, man. She – People have been waiting for her to be an MVP candidate for three years. Maggie Hendricks said it when when we were at games two years ago. She's like, she's a superstar. And I was like, Maggie, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> it wasn't, it, it's like Phil Jackson said in that, that moment. He's like, don't go away from Michael here. It's not time yet. It wasn't time yet. And now it's time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's true. And when she mentioned in the press conference about how you know, she wants to pride on defense. She prides her skill set, her game off defense. She realized that pretty early on, her best offensive night, her best scoring comes from her defensive play. And for her to recognize that, especially as a scorer that can score so effortlessly in this league, 
you you want to talk about that type of combination with with the Candace Parker offensively and potentially defensively in a pick and roll situation, a lot combined with the fact that you're going to have a Khalil Cooper on the other wing who's tenacious already defensively, and they both and they both mentioned how Coach Wade has emphasized that they have they will have a bigger responsibility defensively now because that's how that's going to be their bread and butter. You guys mentioned about the transition game and how they like to run offensively. You know, that's their best offense. It comes from the defensive end. And you have two wing players now who we already know defensively are already tenacious. But you, but if they really live up to that potential times two, ten, whatever you want to call it, all that's about, it, it, it's going to be off the charts. And you're going to see higher numbers from the uh, Diamond to Shield. She talked about how she also worked on her offensive game with James Clark over the, over the offseason and how – Working on some of those skill sets transferred over into the training camp. If those things work out the way that they the way it's supposed to, and we really see Diamond and Shields take that extra leap, I think at this point the sky really is the limit because Diamond and Shields is going to only take them as far as they can go. And having Candace Parker is immensely going to help that process. But this is pretty much Diamond and Shields' moment. This is pretty much Diamond and Shields' time to really take the rankings of this team and make it her own. And that's and that's and hopefully that we'll be able to see that this season. Yeah, the other thing that you got to consider too is I mean, there's a lot of talk about Candice and Diamond, understandably so. They're both again all world players, but one of the things that we should be looking out for this season is Kalia Copper taking that next step as well. Honestly, I think there's a good chance that she's going to be closing most of those games for the team. I love Allie Quigley. What she's able to do on the perimeter is something that. I mean, she's shot over 40% from the, uh, from deep until last year. I think from 2017 to 2019, she shot over 40% from three in all those seasons. Um, but on the defensive end, what Kalia Copper is bringing to training camp is something that we've heard consistently about how, one, that no one can stop Kalia. You know, James Wade actually <laughs> did something like um, you see from a lot of coaches, well, they'll step in. And like they'll be like, you know what? If none of you can guard Kalia, then I guess I'm gonna have to try to. Um, you know, like it's something that uh, you know she can't be stopped on the offensive end, and then but she's also really bringing it on defense. And I think it's gonna be really. I mean, she averaged 15, almost 15 points per game last season. It's something that we have to monitor going into the season whether three time like three time All Star Allie Quigley is gonna be taking more of a reserve role. Um, just because of how much talent is on that roster. And it has nothing to do with Allie Quigley not being like an amazing basketball player. She plays on one of the greatest basketball teams in the world. Um, but like outside of the sky, but um, it's just something to monitor moving forward because Kalia is also in a contract year. She's someone that's probably going to demand close to the mask, the max, if not the max. So I think that's one of the most intriguing storylines heading into this season um, is to see who is going to be the one closing games for the team? And my bet would be Kalia Copper. James, expand uh, expand out from Kalia. Who do you think is going to fill out the rest of that lineup during those those tough games and, and those clutch moments? Or well, who's going to be the death lineup, as you will, uh, if you will, for the for the sky? Oh yeah, I mean to me, it's Courtney Vandersloot at the one, Kalia Copper at the two. Diamond to Shields at the three, Ezra Stevens at the four, and Candace Parker at the five. The defensive versatility that team is going to have. When you think about Candace Parker and Ezra together, 
clogging up the paint. They both were in the top six in block percentage last year. And, um, I mean, when you have both of those players, I mean, Azure only played 13 games last year. So to have, you're really just adding Azure and Candice and like to this team and adding Diamond to Shields, who's already someone that we've talked about how amazing she's, she is on the defensive end. And Courtney Vandersloot is someone who's also improved on that end of the floor throughout her career. So, that's that is going to be a nasty team on both ends of the floor, and uh, you know I do. But one thing we got to iterate as well is that James Wade is not someone who is set on one lineup. If you are struggling, if you go zero for four in the a ninety minute a ninety second stretch, you will be pulled. It doesn't matter if you're maybe Courtney Vandersloot's maybe the only exception, just because of how how dramatic the numbers are when uh, she's off the floor. But um, no, I mean you can be. Honestly, if he pulled Candace Parker at one point this season just to send a message, it would not surprise me. That's the kind of coach he is. But that's also why he's so fun to play for. You know that you can be ready every game. You can. You know that even if you played four seconds, that you have a chance of getting in the lineup if you if he thinks that he could find a mismatch somewhere in the middle of the game. So, um, sorry, that was such a long answer. But I do think that those oh, five would be the – that's uh, that's definitely in my mind the closing lineup at least. And Candace, Candace, I, I'm thinking about that sort of situation now. I'm sure Candace might have some ego about it, but she'd probably understand as well as anyone on the court why she'd be pulled in a situation like that if if, if it came to that, you know. But, yeah, I mean, Pat Summit did it to her before, you know. She, uh, I, I forget it. I think that it was Candace Parker's second year at UConn when she was uh, she, they were traveling to DePaul so her homecoming just to bring that narrative back up mm. she missed curfew and she was benched in the first half of the game versus DePaul and the whole stadium was pissed off because they had bought tickets to see <laughs> Candace Parker play basketball so <laughs> you know it's kind of crazy like I think she does understand it you know she's uh, having been coached under Pat Summit, that I think she understands it. I don't think that she's going to get pulled anytime soon, just because again, she's a professional. She's a 35-year-old vet who has done it all in this league, so yeah. she knows what uh, she's doing. So I'm, <laughs> I'm not saying that Candace Parker is getting pulled anytime soon. Just making sure uh, <laughs> people um, understand that, you know. And there's few coaches who go coach you harder than Pat Summit too. So yeah, she, she ain't. She she's been through it. <laughs> she's been through some things, I'm sure, with coaches. Oh yeah. But uh, let's let's go right quick. You know, uh, get to some league wide talk. And uh, uh, you know, Chris uh, shared with our, our running te- uh, text chain earlier uh, a a great source. If you know, for if you want to learn more about the league and who's uh, going to be a uh, you know worth uh, following and stuff at, at least at the beginning of the year. There's a GM survey that's available on WNBA.com. And um, looking at it here, you know, you start off – I, I want to start off with uh, those different sections and the, the, res, the responses, questions and responses from the GMs of the WNBA. Uh, you know, starting off with the off-season questions, you know, which one-player acquisition will make the biggest impact? 58% of the GMs said Candace Parker. Uh, you know, uh, as the as the biggest impact, uh, there's also Natasha Howard of the Liberty, 
and Chelsea mm-hmm. Gray of the Las Vegas Aces, uh, which team will be most improved? They said the Liberty. Forty-two uh, percent of the of the GM said the Liberty, uh, and actually the the Sky didn't make the top four in that group, but they the the Sky they have got a lot of love in the in the survey from, you know, like I say more with Candace Parker you know, being the most surprising move. Forty-two percent of the GM said that's the case, but uh, going to season predictions, the Sky is tied for number two. In the uh, under the question, which team will win the 2021 WNBA Finals? Uh, with 17% of the GM saying that they will win it, uh, tied with the Washington Mystics. Uh, number one though is uh, the Las Vegas Aces. We're gonna talk about the other favorites in the in the league in a minute. But uh, the sky, as far as Eastern Conference teams who uh, who have the most regular season wins, 75% of the GM say it will be the sky. And, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, – I put the link up in our chat, but uh, a lot of uh, – no, in our comments, I should say. But a lot of, uh, you know, interesting questions there. Uh, sleeper rookie, most likely to be a success. A uh, lot – there's a number of those, but uh, Charlotte Neal is among those group – that group uh, 17% uh, uh, you know, got split there with several others saying that she'll have a chance to make an impact um, look at a couple more questions. Uh, best point guard in the WNBA, Vic, Courtney Vandersloot, 58.3%. And uh, best 2-3 swing player, Diamond DeShields, number one in that question, 45.4%. Best fadeaway shot, Candace Parker, 27.3%. So, you know, a lot of people respect the sky and uh, a best pure shooter, Allie Quigley, 41%. Uh, you know, a lot – people respect the sky and a lot of their components. And, um, you know, for, for you guys, you know, we also talked uh, – I remember we talked about a, a power rankings list from ESPN last week, and uh, they had the sky, I believe, at number three behind uh, the, ace, the Aces and the Storm, uh, the defending champions of the league. So, you know, let, let's, just, let's just talk about the league as a whole and – you know, uh, you know wh- what were you guys expecting to see? The teams that are going to be uh, most in contention, and, and you know, who the what what stars are going to be powering the league this year? Uh, you know, we're going to have a, quite a few players coming back into the league who didn't play last year. They opted out because they didn't want to play in the bubble or you know the COVID worries overall. You know, but uh, you know what? What do you think about? You know, like I say, the, the major storylines, the major players, what, what should we be looking for starting this weekend? It's it's going to be different. Last year was, was an aberration in so many ways because players like Ariel Powers opted out. Um, Elena Deladon and Tina Charles were, were medically um, exempt from the season. You have players leave the bubble early like Brittany Griner. Um, or players who just got injured in the midst of a season. So it was a really, really um, uneven. It was a really uneven season for so many different reasons. Not only the, the players who weren't there, but because of the things externally that just I know stole focus from, from the players just being able to play the game. So it's, it's going to be just different, which is an understatement. But 
it's kind of a Randy Savage thing where the cream is going to rise to the top. <laughs> but at the, at the same time, <laughs> I wish I could do that. I don't have the sleight of hand to be able to do what he did. <laughs> but, but at the same time, the, the, that, uh, that most improved uh, teams list is, is not far off at all. The Liberty were without Sabrina Ionescu, uh, Ionescu who was so good in her second game. In, in her second pro game, she was efficient. She was shooting. She was creating. And the Liberty, even though they finished 2-20, and 20, and they were still a, a decent team to watch most nights. Yeah. There's, there's a few players that they lost, but they gained Natasha Howard. Uh, they, they lost Kia Nurse, which I, I think is, a, is a, a definite loss for them. She's a great player. But just having uh, Sabrina, just having Natasha Howard there, and we talked with Miles Ehrlich about what they're really looking for. Uh, Walt Hopkins is a player's coach, not unlike James Wade. And he's still trying to – it's going to be a second season. He's trying to find his way a bit, but they, they seem to have bought in. So they're going to be a fun team to watch and not going to be an easy out. Atlanta is going to be a fucking fun team to watch with, yeah. with Harry McDonald and Kennedy Carter and, and a Cheyenne, y'all know I'm a Cheyenne Parker stand. So I think she's going she's gonna to really blossom. <laughs> she, I, I believe she's going to – I think she's going to start. I just – you know, Cheyenne's a great interview, and she's a hustler, man. She's, mm-hmm. not, she's not going to back down from anybody. Perfect And not only team. is that going to – yeah, exactly. It's going to play well on that team. It's going to play well in that city. So Atlanta, even though Nikki Collins just left right before the season, they're running on an interim head coach. Atlanta's going to be a fucking fun team to watch. Yeah. Chris, and I Chris think- right, right quick, what do you think about Atlanta as a benchmark outside the league, given the whole thing with the owner and everything that happened over the offseason? I, I don't know that 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 could have happened anywhere else. That's, that's, I think, telling. I don't know that what happened with Renee Montgomery being what, James, two years removed from playing? One year? I thought it was only one year, if I'm not mistaken. One year. Okay, thank you. Uh, just thank you, Josh. One year, to have a player be one year removed from playing professionally and then become a part owner of the team that she played for. I don't know any other league that that, that could have happened in either for uh, collective bargaining restrictions or just, um, you know, implicit uh, bias against it. So for that to happen, for, 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 for that team, for the, for the league to, to lead the charge that they did in Georgia and make Georgia just, it's just under such a microscope now, there's going to be, like, Atlanta is, is under, underrated in terms of their sports fandom, I think, because they've got such a hist- a, a, an unfortunate history of losing or just not being relevant. But Atlanta United captured the city's focus in MLS, and the Atlanta Dream have the chance to do that this season. If that, if that team breaks out, you, man, you won't be able to – you won't be able to – Atlanta's going to be going wild. Y'all <laughs> 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 know, know Atlanta, man. It's going to be foolish. Guys, gonna be more than the wings at the Magic City. Boy. I'm I'm that. That. <laughs> I like, hey, I'll go to the game, I'll go to the NBA game, I'll go to any of those games. You know, I support everything, but you have the Magic City wings with the new little special at the game. I will invest that much more. I would invest that much more to enjoy my overall experience. And I'm guessing much better with the new Williams Lemon Pepper wings. I just, that's all I'm saying. You, so, Atlanta, if you hear me, Atlanta team, 
my book that flies, I like that got out for sure. That's some good marketing. That's some good marketing. There, oh my god, I'm dead. I like that. And money and money all over the place. Money all over the place. Having a club, having a game, all types of entertainment. James, do you think whether they incorporate the wings or not, do you think that Atlanta or anyone else could be, you know, uh, in in regards to like 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 you said, the the GM seemed to think that the Sky are going to be the best team in the regular season in the East. You know, it doesn't mean so much in the playoffs, but they think that the Sky are going to be the best team in the East. Who, do you think anyone else in the East, you know, probably the Mystics, I would guess, but anyone else beyond that could be a competitive team, uh, you know, for the for the Sky? In the East, I'm just going to pull it up now just because I've been doing this since 6 o'clock and I just want to make sure I'm not missing this. So, okay. You know, the Connecticut Sun, I know they're missing Alyssa Thomas, but when you get John Quill Jones back, and I actually think that she could, she's the one I would pick to win Defensive Player of the Year. Um, I think she's the only real threat. I mean, not she. The Connecticut is the, re- the real threat um, to challenge the sky, but at the same time, I just have a really hard time seeing it. I mean, the Indiana Fever are going to be the worst team in the league this year if, um, if the Dallas Wings aren't. Um, they, I mean – the contracts they signed with Gentile Lavender, who I love, um, I have a soft spot for her, but her and uh, Daniel Robinson, I just, it doesn't make any sense why they gave the contracts that they gave to those two veterans. Um, so they're going to be at the bottom. Uh, you know, they're not letting their young players in Lauren Cox and Tierra McCowan really grow. So I, I, I think that's going to be an unfortunate situation. The Mystics, Elena Deladon hasn't played basketball in the WNBA in over a year. I'm not too worried about her though. I think that she'll be fine, but is it going to be enough to elevate them past what the sky can do? I, I have a really hard time imagining that, but I will say the, the New York Liberty have a higher ceiling than, I mean, I think they have a higher ceiling than uh, the fever or the dream. I mean, what they did in getting Natasha Howard this off season and what she's going to be able to do on the defensive end for that team and provide a little bit of an offensive uh, spark to that team, I think is going to be a, it's going to be interesting to see. And her and Sabrina Inescu being together, I think is just, uh, it's an absolute dream for them. Yeah. So I do agree with Chris though. I mean, I think that Atlanta is going to be a fun team this year. Like if your team is going to suck, it, you might as well be fun. And when you have Kennedy Carter, Courtney Williams, uh, Ari McDonald, Cheyenne Parker, just to name a few, I mean, that's a really, that's a team that you can get behind. So um, yeah, and also just a quick prediction. Watch out for Ari McDonald for Sixth Woman of the Year. I, yeah. I think it's on the table with, uh, you know, if you see, I mean, unless Derek Ahambi just wins it again, that would just be so boring. Um, oh. oh, come on, man. I just can't. I know. I know. Oh, but I if, can't. She, if she's good, she's good, you know? Ask, nah. ask, ask Josh and Kyle about how, how we feel about Jamal Crawford. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You can't come with my guy. She's a, 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 she's a,
Um, she can shoot from outside. She she just does everything well. She she sets screens. She defends. She she gets rebounds. She's somebody that can come in and just alter the a, a game trajectory in a number of different ways. So in yeah. it's 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 different than than Jay Crossover because he's just a bona fide shooter. Dierica yeah. is a well-rounded ball player who can do a lot of things very well. Like she could start on a yeah. number of teams. <laughs> well, you, you, met, you mentioned someone who can impact the game deeply and, and, and do it quickly in a lot of ways. And I want to go back to NUS school. Like, when she came out at the beginning of the last year, like, it was a big deal. Like, I think she was – I think that was the first game that was broadcast last year, I believe, with her was – uh, was or, or at least her first game was broadcast. I know that, but well, she had the injury, and you know, it, you know, it, 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 like I said, it, it derailed her, and it derailed the hype train with her. What do you? How do you think she's going to respond coming back this year? And could she really be that next player who really comes along and, and helps define the league, or at least, you know? Being in a New York market and being like she's been a player who a lot of people have known in 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 basketball circles for a while now, going back to a college day. You know what what do you, what impact do you think she can have potentially at, starting with this year on the league? The, the league needs a player like this. Um, I mean, they don't, I mean they they can. I think the league has come under some criticism from only marketing white players. Um, and it totally makes sense. I think it, mm. Asia Wilson really needs to be marketed more for someone who is just the, the personality, the, um, the way that she, her game is so relatable. She's just um, such an incredible human being. And it, again, she's just not marketed the way that she should. I think it's changing a little bit, but um, Sabrina, I mean, you talk about someone who's just, just a winner who just wants to win will do anything to do it. I mean, the, one of the things that I saw last season when uh, when she struggles offense, like that first game where she struggled offensively, there's this one play where someone tried to feed a uh, full court pass to someone uh, you know, trailing towards the rim. She just goes a full, like she uh, jumps uh, and lays out for a pass in the way that uh, I've seen Marcus Smart do so many times over the years. And like, she'll, like you'll see, like, role players do that type of play, lay out and, like, risk their, both their bodies on the line. But when you don't see star players, like, Sabrina Inescu is the future of the Liberty, you know? She's someone that this thing isn't going to work unless she's the one dictating the offense. So um, I think she's – I mean, she's just so fun to watch, and she's such an important figure for the league. And uh, she's – yeah, she's just a really good player to have uh, – and just uh, yeah, just watch consistently. I mean, it's it's just going to be a different team this year with her in it because that's how much of an impactful player she is. But well, Josh, you know, James mentioned Aja Wilson. She's going to be very much high profile because of her role on a team that a lot of people are expecting to win this year, win it all, the Aces. But it's interesting though because the news came out. I believe I believe it first came out yesterday or this week about uh, Brianna Stewart getting her own shoe deal Mm -hmm. and uh, her being only the ninth uh, player in the league history to be able to have her own signature shoe. And a lot of people in response to that, like James said, because of 
a certain people having certain issues with the way black players have been marketed as opposed to white players in the league. You know, they said like, well, Adrian Wilson probably should, you know, have her own shoe or is just as worthy, you know, if not more, you know, what, what do you think about that? And, and, and that whole issue and, you know, could, could, could that be something that we hear more of, you know, in regards to how people look at the league? No, it's a very yeah, valid most definitely. Yeah. Most Sorry, Josh. Go yeah. ahead. My fault, bro. No, it's all good. See, Breezy, it's all good. You're the expert. I'm, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm listening to what you got to say, too. Um, but now, overall, though, man, like, yeah, it definitely plays a very valuable role in it. Um, when you talk about what, and I think that's the one of the biggest things that's from a, from a, it's, it's, it's going to get a lot of criticism, right? It's because, Black female athletes don't market as value or the value of the market is not as entrenched or deeply entrenched when it comes to male athletes more, or male professional athletes in specific sports leagues. Um, that's why people like Candace Parker are so, so prevalent for these type of situations because of what she does. Even Kalia uh, Cooper in her in the, in the media day today and, uh, you know, announced that she signed with Adidas. She said, I'm with the three stripes. <laughs> When I have her own actual Ooh. shoe, but she did say she's with the three stripes and she'll okay. be wearing other people's shoes. Um, so the, I think the notoriety is there, but the problem is my question will push back is what you mentioned, Kyle. If you're going to have women athletes sign and get endorsement deals with these top tier brands that are representing all the other ma- uh, top athletes that are both predominantly males, especially African American males in specific sports leagues, why can't they get their own respect and signature shoe as well? Candace Parker should have her own signature shoe. I'm pretty, I mean, I believe she does, but they should market that more too. Asia Wilson, I think she actually is with Adidas, I want to say that. Don't quote me for sure on that, but I think she has some type of contract with Adidas where she may not have her own shoe, but she is still rocking their gear. Um, Brianna Stewart's the same way. It's, it's a problem when, at, when certain uh, companies go after notoriety and fame with the brand name compared to some to people that actually deserve that type of recognition. Now, Brianna Stewart's an anomaly because Brianna Stewart is just Brianna Stewart. So, of course, we know she's going to get the notoriety that she has, the success that comes, the winning component that comes with the success that she has. It was bound to happen that someone's going to give her a chance to sign that deal. However, they, they should give the same opportunities to African-American athletes, female athletes as well. And African-American athletes should be able to look outside of just the main companies that represent these, uh, these uh, specific brands. I mean, you talk about Adidas and Nike and Jordan and, and, and Puma as main figures. They should be able to go outside of the ones and maybe go with the way of wave or maybe go with, um, I think the other one's called Ant- uh, Anti, the one from China, um, that, that other players like Clay Thompson, those people are, are after. They should be going after, the, they should be having those type of deals and opportunities as well. It's unfortunate that that is not the case, but yeah, for sure. Women, especially African-American women that really play a role in dominating this league should get more notoriety and for their work and should be more and have the endorsements to back it up. Chris, you uh, go ahead, man. You, uh, you want to say something about that issue? I mean, it's, it's really just how you put it into perspective uh, that way. I, I really can't say much more other than, than what you said. It's, and especially what Josh said, it's kind of entrenched that brands up to this point didn't find women or weren't looking at, at women as, as marketable. Uh, black black women, black athletes especially, 
like Sabrina had to kick the door down to really start being like put on everything. And then the world still had to change as it has over the last 10 years. And Sabrina was winning titles in 06, but I don't remember seeing that many Serena commercials. Like the, the commercials that I can really remember where you saw people like women, uh, women athletes advertised. Uh, the one that really, really comes to mind is that Mike Jordan, Mia Hamm, everything you can do Gatorade ad that they just brought back now with uh, Usain Bolt and Abby Wambach. Yeah. That's the one that really sticks in my mind. That's the one, you know? But now you're getting, you're seeing it more because like I said, the world is changing, the world is waking up. And now I think it's just kind of like, it's like how people have been asking and begging and, and pleading and crying out for WNBA merch. Yeah. to be available and to be up to date. And now it's available and up to date. Um, the same way with the sponsors, the sponsors are taking note. Um, and even as the, even as, you know, accounts on YouTube or, or people try to say that the league isn't profitable, it's not marketable, no one's watching, you know, like we, Amazon prime is putting 16 of these games on for streaming. I think it's fantastic. I know some people have said that it's, it makes it more difficult and more confusing, but those games that were on Twitter last year were a lifesaver sometimes because we've only got one big TV in the apartment. So sometimes you got to watch the game on Twitter. Now you can watch the game on Amazon Prime. And in the same way that now these companies are finding that women like Asia Wilson or if you go outside, Clarissa Shields are marketable, not just because of how they look, but because people see it's always this representation. People see somebody who looks like them succeeding. And they want to they want to do what that person does so they can be that person, be like that person. The same yeah. way that I saw Jaleel White on TV and I was like, yo, there's black dudes out here with glasses. I hated getting glasses. And I was like, yo, you got glasses on. Jordy LaForge, <laughs> you, you got glasses in space, man. Yo, I'm, I'm out here. There's somebody like me on TV, LeVar Burton, Jaleel White, that I can model myself after and, and, and kind of build an identity on. And so in the same way, you get an athlete like Asia Wilson, who's a consummate professional, and you put her on these covers, you put her in these ads, and it's going to inspire so many more generations now. The, the, the thing about the WNBA is that it's, it's inspired this whole generation that weren't around when the first players uh, started playing in the WNBA. There wasn't this for Pamela McGee or, or Cynthia Cooper or uh, Tina Thompson. There wasn't really that league. There were the, it was college and going overseas and a few a few uh professional leagues that that went under pretty quick and so now you have this established league that's had these players to to watch but now just now is becoming more uh, it's becoming marketed more thoroughly and so when you have these signature shoes now that are going like you're going to see the same I, I would i would estimate that you're going to see the same kind of rush drops especially with how sneakers are becoming even more like people are more thirsty for sneakers than they ever have been in my lifetime. And when, when they start dropping some nice sneakers for um, Asia Wilson, Brianna Stewart, uh, Sabrina, it, people are going to be, people are going to be fainting. And that just increases league profile. Everything is just going to ex exponentially increase. And we've seen it already with apparel and, you know, a lot of people, uh, male and female, are rocking the orange WNBA uh, uh, hoodie now. You yeah, know, the logo. 
Yeah. It, I know. I've got a good mind, too. <laughs> I ordered mine on April 19th, and it's not going to come till June. That's that's also the problem with this is, like, the representation like – I'm, I'm so happy with the league's growth, but the thing that they really need to nail down are these little things like, all right, shipping. you got to be thinking about, like, how you're going to be getting the actual merchandise to the people. Um, and not just used to, to the demand. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is, like, Kaiser Gondrasek's – Indiana Fever Rebel Edition jersey, I think, sold out within uh, within 30 minutes. And mm. so, so like, when you see, like, you're right, the demand's there, but you also got to think about, is the manufacturer, think, like, are they having too modest of expectations for what these jerseys will uh, do, perform, like, perform in terms of them selling? That's the part mm. what I, I think about a lot is uh, – is Nike and Dick's doing enough in terms of manufacturing these jerseys? Um, because you're seeing across the board, all this merchandise is getting sold out. I've been taking like uh, I've been trying to order a WNBA orange hoodie since February, and again, it wasn't until April 19th until I could actually get one. The the demand is there. Um, just women's sports need to be given an opportunity to thrive, and I think we're starting to see with the WNBA with the leadership that's been put in place. To, to hammer out some of these marketing issues that it's had and it's already paying dividends. I think this is just the beginning. Um, I really do. Yeah. Also guys, I got to hop off pretty soon. I got to finish up an article for uh winsider.com shameless plug. Yeah. Um, James big time in this man. Seriously. I really appreciate you guys having me on uh, anytime you want to talk Chicago sky or the bulls, uh, just dwell in our Chicago sports gloom. I'm always down, you know. Uh, but really, yeah, guys, we'll be, this we'll be glad fun. to have you on again. Uh, uh, we'll definitely have you on again throughout the course of the summer and yeah. the season. So, yeah, we'll we love talking to you, man. We'll, we'll uh, if you got to go down, we'll let you go. We'll we'll finish up uh, pretty soon with the guys, and you know, Chris will plug the podcast and everything, of course. So. Awesome, and hey, I also got to say, give a shout out to Chris. Seriously, I can't ask for a better co-host for the Skyhook. He's uh, now wouldn't want to do with anybody else. And um, you know, in case he doesn't talk about it, read his work at the next. Seriously, Chris, just uh, appreciate all that you do. And uh, we'll be hopping on the pod probably early next week. So you know, early turnaround. <laughs> I, I want to say that that's cap, but it's not. I appreciate. I appreciate everything James has done. Um, Bringing me, I think I think I guessed it on, and he was like, "Hey, do you want to do this full time?" I was like, "Sure." I was like, "Yeah, I want to do this." So it's been it's been fun two years, and I mean, imagine, imagine in October when we're on the podcast and we do our live show with our little tiny bottles of Andre celebrating that that Chicago Sky uh, Ooh, championship. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I don't even know if I can afford Andre, man. That's the where I'm at financially. It's a small, but you it's know, a small one. It's a small one from. <laughs> you'll get. You're right. Baby size. <laughs> Make sure we'll keep it there. But uh, really, guys, thank you so much. And uh, Josh, really good to see you again. Kyle, good to see you as well, man. Uh, love what you guys do. So really appreciate it. Definitely appreciate yeah, you, James. Thank you, James, for real. Hope to see you around during the season, man. Absolutely. Hope I'll see you guys around. All right, man. All right. Have a good one. You too. But, well, yeah, I was going to um, – James K. right there. Definitely follow him on Twitter and everything. Follow him. Follow the the Skyhook Pod, but um, well, I was gonna say Chris right quick. You know, you, you say you you uh, uh you, you followed Urkel's uh 
lead with the glasses. You know, are you, are you going to be a stoner now too? Now you got the purple Urkel. Oh, with the purple Urkel. <laughs> um, I mean, it's, it's more mainstream, man. But you can't. Uh, <laughs> I'm, let me, let me, let me lay back from any discussion on that. You know. You don't got to put your business out there. I get high know. on life, folks. Just go, go run and get your endorphins the natural way. <laughs> 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 hey, oh, man. It's, you put me in the box, bro. <laughs> Come on, man. But, uh, <laughs> he, he put me on the menace to society. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm just messing with you, man, but let, let, let me go right quick back to those jerseys, though, because those jerseys have gotten a lot of, you know, uh, a lot of hype, a lot of media attention. Like, that's another way, again, that the league is sort of you – you're seeing the growth and you're seeing, you know, more, uh, you know, more of that uh, insertion into the regular, uh, you know, media cycle, you know, with, you know, outside of just the season itself and – you know the time, the little time that he, the highlights get or whatever, still on, on the the highlight shows and whatever. You know, it seems like it's going to be more. Uh, we, there's going to get more time on TV than ever this year. The league will, you know, with the games themselves. You mentioned the deal with uh, Amazon that was announced, and the whole uh, the was the the commissioner's cup that's going to be happening yeah. as well. Yeah. So you know, adding adding some more stuff to the season, sort of experimenting, like much like the league, the NBA has done uh, with the playing games and stuff. So it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting to see how that sort of thing adds to the attention of the league and the excitement, you know, the buzz or whatever you know, if you want to use any marketing term or anything. But you know, as as we as we get toward the end of this this conversation. Uh, you know, this is the 25th year of the league, and it's had a lot of ups and downs. You know, people have bad-mouthed it, people who have, you know, shown a, a lack of understanding at times and, you know, an unwillingness to even meet the league halfway, even before it got to such perilous or divisive areas as politics or Black Lives Matter and stuff like that. Even when it was just a league about promoting women's basketball, it, it was sort of been controversial because there's a lot of meatheads out there who just don't respect women's sports. But now it's sort of growing into the society is sort of catching up with it a bit now. And, you know, you know hopefully more people uh, 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 with each year, more people are getting into the league and getting into it earnestly, not just doing it to make a statement about themselves, you know, really getting into the hooping and everything and, and appreciating it on much the same level that you appreciate any other sport. So, you know, with this being that 25th year, of course, there's going to be a lot of uh, attention given to that number, a big round number and everything. But, but Chris, what do you see – no, what does that 25th year mean to you as the, that the league has survived this long and, you know, that is seemingly on the verge of more breakthroughs and everything? What what, what does this whole uh, benchmark mean for you as a WNBA fan and, and media follower? Um, it's, it's funny. I came late, right? There's people who have been out here since day one. Uh, I was real late. I remember watching when – the league came out because it was on TV and it was sports. 
Yeah. But I, I got swallowed up in the toxic, you know, in the toxic shit in high school and college. A little bit in college. I started coming back once we, we had we had to play. Uh, we played in the band at women's games at Bradley. And I really started to appreciate uh, the basketball as I should have before. But what 25 years means is it's a benchmark that the league has staying power. The same thing happened with the NBA back in the day because that league started and, you know, you, you didn't know if it, people didn't know if it was going to make it. Uh, I didn't know how long it, they were going to make it. And they were doing a lot of things that aren't done now just to survive with like territorial draft picks so that teams would have a reason for fans to come watch. Cause back, back then in the forties and fifties and sixties, college basketball was the big draw over, um, over pros that, that, yeah, yeah. That Abdul Jabbar, Elvin Hayes, UCLA Houston game was in the Astrodome, and they had like sixty thousand people there to watch a basketball game. This is way before they were playing the NCAA final in in like the RCA and Lucas Oil and all that. So this twenty five years means that the league has had staying power, and with Kathy Engelbert as commissioner, it, it's hard to it's hard to say what she means to the league one because she's still only in the she still only had the job for a little over a year and so you you really want to judge her off off of a continued performance over a longer time period but what she's done and, and how she's gotten out front of things and allowed players to say and, and do things that even in the nba uh, adam silver and the league might clamp down on as well as really embrace and spur these this um, wider publicity for the league is not only it, it's it's incredible. I think yeah, I think it's incredible. The, the league really hasn't been this big since it was on NBC, and that was the late '90s, early 2000s. Mm. And so now it's it's coming back in in a force. And in the in a different time period, because now we're in the streaming era rather than the network TV, and that's where you go. It, it, it's hard to quantify, honestly. But you've got, I think, I think the, the biggest testament is what I said earlier. You got players like Ruthie, like um, like Diamond, like Sabrina, Asia, and then the rookies who are coming in this year, Charlie uh, Charlie Collier in Dallas. Uh, Jonah, Jonah Carrington that went to uh, Connecticut. Uh, even the, the the European players, the foreign players, uh, Awat Queer, who's going to be in in um in Dallas with Charlie. They grew up watching Candace Parker and Sue Bird and Diana and Rebecca Lobo and Lisa Leslie and Lauren Jackson. They grew up watching that with that as the goal while those players didn't necessarily know that that was going to be out there for them when they started playing. So, like, imagine if this generation of, of players that we're watching now um, who are lighting it up, uh, Dame and, and to like Kobe White, imagine if they didn't have the NBA or the NBA was just, like, fresh, if the NBA started in, like, 1979 or something. It would be entirely different. And so – having this league be around for 25 years in a place that didn't necessarily always want it 
is a testament to the to the league's staying power and a testament to their their continued growth. Uh, expansion expansions on the horizon is coming. It's really coming soon. That's what's up. It's good to see it. You know, you, you think of the expansion of the league from those early days when, like you say, Chris, the league was first on NBC. It was though there was a lot of attention to given to the league coming out of the 96 Olympics. A lot of the stars from that team that won gold in Atlanta was they were they were essentially the stars of the league early on. And you had stuff like you had something like uh, the Houston dynasty early on that won, I think, four straight. And yeah. that was something that really made the league stand out, that they, they had something to go along the lines of what was seen in the NBA at the time, be it Mike and the Bulls or you know, the Lakers. You know, you had a team that was dominating the league in, in, the, in a similar way in that, you know, Houston Rockets, uh, Houston Comets, I should say. And, um, you know, Things you know, like I say, there's more ebbs and flows that have occurred throughout the years. The league switches over to ABC. Some changes happen, you know, much like with the NBA, where it switched over to uh, ESPN and ABC. And uh, you know, some years you barely saw any games. You know, other years you may have had some some stars that uh, stepped out and and you know for whatever reason made themselves known and stuff. I think, you know, in Chicago, us getting a team made a difference, definitely, I would say personally. And I know, you know, being able to see the team compete like it did, uh, I believe, in uh, in uh, what's, uh, 14, I believe, when uh, they went to the finals. Yeah. Yeah, I remember, you know, writing about that team a couple times for We Are Real Radio and following, you know, you know, no having a player like Deladon in Chicago, who you could arguably say was the best player in the world at that time, you know, it, it was meaningful. And, uh, you know, for me, that's where the league sort of stuck. And, you know, being able to go from there to, to have the team be seen regularly on local TV, at least, if not national TV on, on uh, WCIU, you know, it's, it's, it's been cool to be able to, sit back in the summer and see games at times on, on a Sunday or whatever, you know, in the middle of that, in the afternoon or early evening, it's, you know, just chill and watch some basketball. And, you know, that's, that sort of helped me connect with the sky and as, as a team and with the league as a whole. And, uh, you know, definitely, like I said, other things too, just seeing the, the, the players stand up for, for social issues and, and, get engaged in activities that I admire as a, as a person, you know, just, you know, at that base level, uh, has been meaningful as well. But, uh, you know, Josh, you know, before we go, you know, you want to speak a little bit about your personal, uh, narrative regard with the league and, you know, what, what do you remember about the league throughout the years and, and what, what has allowed, what has made you sort of keep interest in the WNBA? My first WNBA game that I actually attended when I was younger, it was actually Candace Parker's rookie year. Uh, she was like her first homecoming game. She played this guy. And at that time, this guy was playing the UIC Pavilion. It was mm-hmm. called the Pavilion at the time. Um, and I remember going to that game, 
And I've watched the NBA over time. I knew about the, his, the history of the Houston Comets and the, and the team, legendary teams like the Detroit Shock. And, yeah. and what they and those different teams of how they became championship franchises. Um, so I was aware of the WNBA. Um, but going to watch the game itself and watching Candace Parker, who was already like for me a connection, because that's the 630 baby. You know I love my 630 <laughs> so I gotta you know show up with the 630. Um to have her watch that game to watch that game have and see her play with Lisa Leslie on that Sparks team against a Candace Dupree. Uh, on the Chicago sky, and then oh, going yeah. back, and, that, and then going back and forth, um, was like the beginning of like the future when it comes to me support, continuing to watch support the NBA, and then you go from that game, which we're talking, you know, Kansas Park was about 13 years in the league now. That was 13 years ago. Now you're talking about 2018, 2019, where Chris and I are, are watching these games front row and center while we're covering the games. It's I, the same excitement I had that first my going to that first WBA game. It's the same excitement I had sitting down, sitting down courtside with other colleagues watching the same game. With WNBA, the WNBA basketball for me has just always been exciting. If you're a basketball fan, you should be able to watch the WNBA in excitement because they are very talented as well, oh. and, they, and and they're and they're very. And, and and the way they market themselves, even on the court, is actually that much more fundamental than what we're than we normally would see in the, in the NBA. Which, if you're a true basketball fan and dissects the game from an analytical perspective, is that much more inspiring to watch. Um, and they don't get enough credit where it's due. And to see that talent up front, of course, there's no reason why you shouldn't want to be a fan of this league in general, especially how it has it has revised its narrative from not just the talent-wise in the WNBA, but also the community side of things and the social justice components of it. And women really taking their platforms to another level. And not just that, but also professional players in other leagues, especially the NBA, supporting them. Like, I think that's where you kind of got to say, you know, thank God for the pandemic a little bit. Because... If it wasn't for the pandemic, many could argue that the WNBA may not have the platforms or utilize the platforms that they have to create the impact and change that they want to see. And people might not have paid attention to it. I mean, I feel like we would have because that's that's our niche. It's part of what makes Real Regal Radio so special. However, but comparing to other networks and even other athletes, they may not have put the same attention to paying attention to those narratives and paying attention to those movements that were taking place and professional athletes actually backing them up and supporting them in those roles. I think that that pandemic really played a role in how few can really excel the notoriety of the WNBA and the brand of the WNBA. And now it's really taking things to a whole nother level where you're starting to see women athletes getting the same type of notoriety, endorsement deals, um, ownership opportunities, compared to you see in the, in, in the in men's professional sports. So for me, the narrative has always been fun. The problem was no one wanted to actually take the time to listen to it. No one actually wanted to take the time to read and invest in it. When you invest in the sport, you definitely get an investment back. And as someone that has not just watched it in the actual stands, but also on the on the floor, it, 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 it's, it's an amazing sight to see. And I'm glad that 25 years is, you know, has been in the making for them. I'm wishing them the best more moving forward. 
And I and I want more expansion of it. I want to bring back the Detroit Shots. I want to bring back the Houston Comets. I want to bring back those teams and those cities that really played a staple in developing the WNBA and what the WNBA is now. Yeah, that would be nice to see. Like some teams have have been lost throughout the years, and and some good basketball cities, and you know, hopefully those teams or some you know some team can. Uh, be brought back to cities like like Houston and Detroit and others, and uh, definitely uh, will be nice to see. And you know that's a good you, everything you said was was really on point there, Josh. And I have to say, like it, it's it's interesting to think about the role that the that the league playing in that sports starved time of like midsummer last year when they came back. You know how. It did, I think it, they had got some of the biggest ratings they ever got with those early games. And that was in large part because, you know, there was nothing else on TV barely, you know. And, it, you know, so people uh, – you, you have to think at that point that maybe some people gave the league a chance who otherwise wouldn't have if regular baseball was going on during that time or any other sport, you know, was going on. If a regular sports schedule wasn't being engaged with at that time, maybe they'd have spent their time with those sports and, and not the WNBA. So, you know, there's it, it a silver a silver lining to that hectic time. And, um, you know, uh, you know, hopefully, like I say, they could take more advantage of it here in uh, 2021, even with everything else going about now with things getting a bit more normal and uh, all the other sports going on around it. They could still make their noise and, and be, uh, like say, given attention to, proper attention to. But um, I, I have to say, too, Josh, you got uh, one of your – one of, if not your most uh, high-profile interview at a WNBA game talking to Kobe yeah. White. and. Yeah. uh that's one thing that I always sort of, when it comes to the fools who talk down on women in basketball and stuff like that, it, it, it's, to me it's like, okay, the the real players who play the game, NBA players, they're some of the biggest fans of the WNBA. They respect, mm -hmm. real respect, real. So if they give those ladies, if they give the ladies the respect, if they give – these teams the respect, you know, who are you to not give them respect, you know, when when you could barely get off your butt and who with anyone, you know. So, you know, always keep that in mind, you know, for for your guy who, you know, if you if you want to sit down and say, I want to watch the sky and the aces, if your boy up next to you say, I want to watch them, you know, say, you know, who are you to talk down anybody? When you can't, you can barely shoot the ball your damn self, you know. You you can't cross nobody over. I've seen, you know, somebody. I've seen these some of these fools out on the court who want to talk bad, you know. But you know, that's that's what it is, you know. Everybody got an opinion. Anyway, we gonna wrap this up though. It's been a great discussion, guys. Really appreciate, uh, you know, talking about the WNBA. And I want to go back to that uh. GM survey right quick. They had a, a, a miscellaneous section, and they said uh, at the top of it, using players from the WNBA's first 25 seasons, create your own WNBA Mount Rushmore. And they uh, they 
they would allow people to select two backcourt players, two frontcourt players, and one player at any position, that they didn't actually lay out what the, the Mount Rushmore was that got the most votes, the combination, but they said the players that had the most votes in, com, you know, in, in total, you know, the top player was Lauren Jackson with 10 votes. And uh, behind her was two, uh, you know, tied that two was Cynthia Cooper and Dinah Taurasi with eight votes. And with six votes each uh, were Sue Bird, Lisa Leslie, and Maya Moore. So, uh, you know, what, what do you think about those top voter, vote getters? And, uh, you know, if you had to add a player to that list, or, you know, add, if you had a, if you made a Mount, a Mount Rushmore WNBA player, what, who, what play, one player would you definitely have on there? It's, it's hard to argue against Lauren Jackson. Um, yeah. she, she, she went head up with Lisa Leslie. Um, I think around the, the second, like, she came in when Lisa was at her peak. And so I don't think that she ever uh, beat, I don't think the storm beat the sparks while Lisa Leslie was in the league in the playoffs. I might be wrong. Uh, Secret base did a, a really good video on that beef history because there was a whole thing yeah, in the Olympics yeah. where she, you know, the, uh, she said she pulled her hair out or whatever, but it's, it's hard to argue against Lauren Jackson. She was a, an absolute fantastic player. And again, this is part of the time. This is the time before I was really watching um, as much as I would have or should have. Uh, you know, honestly, I think just for just for the, for the, the the grit and the hustle, I put Teresa Weatherspoon on there in the backcourt. Mm. Uh, she had that that shot in the finals with the Liberty that was was just crazy to to extend the series. And then Maya Moore is. I, it's it's hard for me to really quantify how I feel about Maya Moore as, as a basketball player, <laughs> because but she, because she's so good. But it, it like everything now comes up alongside her um, fight for prison reform. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's hard to separate the two, and I don't know if you should, because as a a basketball player, she she's not the best player in UConn history, just because Brianna Stewart is, has won so many things. But Maya Moore is a is an absolute dog, man, and yeah. it's. I think she would have to be on there for me. I'd, I'd have to. I can't answer this with any finality, Kyle. I got to go back and do more research. So I'm I'm sorry to punt. I'm a, I'm gonna yeah, be that that's, guy. That's good, I'm man. Be that guy. That's good. <laughs> and, and, and the thing about Maya is that, like you say, so much of her story going forward is gonna get wrapped up in how she left the game and her, you know. Her prison, you know, prison reforming campaign, and you know, getting married to a guy who she took up for and and you know fought for, you know, all that, you know, maybe you know, hopefully, uh, Sana Lathan will get a, a an Oscar nomination in <laughs> ten, to ten to fifteen years playing. What what she may have to do it sooner than that. She's actually she's already like fifteen. You know, it's gonna be a British actress, man. Yeah. Yeah, it's good. yeah, they're gonna get a young British actress by the end of doing. Yeah, I, I see it ain't too late for Sanaa, unfortunately. But yeah, somebody gonna get an Oscar nomination playing Maya Moore in ten to fifteen years, and you know, but but her as just as a playing Hooper, like oh, she man. she's bad man, and yeah, you know, I, I'm gonna let you answer Josh Rick, but I'm gonna say, 
I I was out of that group that I mentioned, I'll probably hold up Cynthia Cooper. You know, just like oh. say, remembering those Houston teams and how she she went at folks like she was she was a she was hardcore man. She you could you could put on any court with anybody, and she could break people down off the dribble. And, like she was just a great scorer and, and all that. Man, I I really like watching her play. Sue Bird has always been dope to me, and uh, yeah, just yeah, and, and Diana Taurasi, man, Taurasi just. Like, like I just love her, her the the way that she plays and, and the way her attitude on the court. Like, she's a real floor general, you know. So I, I just like those type of players because so much of the game is under the rim in the WNBA. I love the players who have that, you know, who who is it's obvious have that mental capacity into their game and who can really control things around them, distribute the ball, and and, and shoot from you know distance mid-range and and be able to uh, you know penetrate with the ball you know do all those things and and there's so many there's been quite a few players like that throughout the history but but Josh what what would your answer be man like it, it's so hard to choose I mean I've been I've been blessed and privy to see my immoral front and well during my vacation in Los Angeles and they played the Sparks in the championship mm. and seeing Candace Parker and uh, one, uh, one of the Agulake sisters, I can't remember which one, but you had Elena Beard on that team as well with Kristen Tolliver. Yeah. And they was going against Simone Augustus and Sylvia Fowles and Maya Moore. That mm. that battle was nasty. Those were good games. Yeah. Those were good rivalry, man. Yeah, yeah. That was a good game. And Maya Moore stood out. Like, she, she did her thing. I, and just looking at this list, you talk about Diana Taurasi and Cynthia Cooper and Sue Bird and all those other great ones. If anything, I will add maybe three other people, maybe three. Cheryl Swoops. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I will add Cheryl Swoops, Tina Thompson, and Tamika Catchings. That's Catch, true. man. Yeah, you're right. I, I, I will add Tamika Catchings because that was like, she was like the original, like from a height perspective and an athletic perspective from, based on her skill set. I would view her as like at, in her prime, like the modern day Simone Augusta before Simone Augusta stepped into the ground and took that thing to another level. Um, that, 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 those are the three players that from an impact the game perspective and really changing the game, I would say have to be added to that list as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. That's that's what's up, man. And I think uh, Augustus, I believe, is um, – I think she just retired today or yep. something. Yeah, yeah so – the Sparks assistant coach now. Yeah, so salute to her on her career. She was, like, she was definitely a, a big-time hooper as well. All those that you mentioned, Josh, were so – there's it's a lot of great players, man, throughout the history. You know, do, you know, do the knowledge if you haven't already. And, uh, you know, get get ready for this new season, man. We're going to see a lot of great stuff with the WNBA this this season. I think from game to game, uh, the the Commissioner's Cup, they say, adds a little more spice to the season. They're going to have that game in the middle, towards the middle of the season, uh, after the uh, the Olympics uh, wrap-up, actually. But, um 
it, they're, they're going to, you know, the Olympics going to stretch out things as well. They're going to have a break there. And, uh, you know, but it's, it's going to extend into the fall, of course, the early fall. And uh, we're going to, you know, they say hopefully, like like Chris said, that we be able to have a little bit of the bubbly and celebrate a Sky Championship, another championship brought to the city. It could, it could be the first, the next championship could be the Sky because it, it would be before uh, the Sox even if, uh, if the Sox yeah, do that. Yeah, no. So yeah, that would that would be that'd be great to see and great to have happen to the city because uh, and you know I think they definitely put in the work to set themselves up to put themselves in the position. Let's see if they follow through. So, uh, and you know what would be super cold about that? Those two teams, along with the Red Stars, playing out. I guess uh, the Red Stars kind of count because they're in Bridgeview, but those are the two Chicago <laughs> yeah. in Chicago proper, who are on the south side of the city, man. Uh, Shout out to the Red South, Stars. Yeah. Those will be two South Side championships in the same year, boy. Definitely. I, it, it, so you, you just claim we claim the South Side pri, 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 uh, priority for the for uh, the sky as well uh, since they play at Wood Trust. It's Twenty Second Street, man. That's <laughs> Mac Road, boy. Yeah, you know I gotta, and you know I gotta just jump into my to my current us. Uh, you know that's the school right there, man. DePaul knows what's up, so I gotta. <laughs> you know, I come into my arena. We gotta make. We gotta give. We gotta show love, baby. We gotta show the love that's, to the Blue Demons. That's yeah, that's a Blue Demons home, <laughs> definitely. It's it's a great place to catch a game. You know, it's not yeah, a bad suit in the house. Yeah, People not a bad suit. So definitely, you try to get out there, man. And if you if, if it's a good way, it's, it's going like I say, it's pretty much gonna be open in a minute now. Everything will be open. Yeah. You already can attend the games though, as as it is. But you know, uh, yeah, definitely, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely try to get out there a couple times. And I I advise uh, anybody listening and watching this to to do it as well. You might see these guys out there definitely at at, uh, at any number of the games. So. You know, just keep up with this team in general because they're going to be fun. They're going to play well. They're going to represent the city, and uh, and like I say, they may bring home a championship. So uh, we'll we'll definitely keep in tune with that. But uh, throughout the season, you'll be able to catch us speaking more about the sky. Uh, try to speak to more people who cover the league, uh, experts on the league and stuff throughout the year uh, with running with war. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's pretty much the plan, man. We coming back every Thursday. Uh, with more shows, and uh, this coming Thursday we'll be back with a new show, uh, talking about we'll 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 talk about the first weekend of the WNBA season, and definitely talk about the NBA playing games. Uh, we'll probably be doing a post mortem on the Bulls uh, season, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, you know we we should have a lot to talk about next week uh, with Drew back on the scene as well. But uh, guys, appreciate it. Uh, great job on this show, man. Uh, definitely did a lot to help me get even more excited about the WNBA season. So I hope hope we did the same for you as well out there on the internet. So, uh, yeah, uh, for Chris and Josh, it's your man Kyle Means here. Keep bouncing, keep supporting women's sports, and definitely keep supporting the WNBA. <laughs>